great to have you back for another episode of the Secret Sauce Podcast. We are very passionate about investing in your leadership. If you're new with us, we typically release a couple of interviews with Chick-fil-A operators each month, unless it's a special episode like today, where we have guests that are closely connected with Chick-fil-A. I do want to encourage you to hit that little plus button next to the podcast title and subscribe if you haven't already, so you'll know when new episodes are available. Joining me today is my good friend, Billy Bowie. He's the founder and CEO of Elevate Experiences out of Atlanta. Billy has helped execute over a thousand events and experiences with Chick-fil-A support center and restaurants across the country. If you took a moment to reflect on your growth as a leader, I'm absolutely positive. You would lock in on a few key moments, conversations, experiences that have helped shape you into who you are today. Because those moments created momentum that ultimately changed the trajectory of your life. Well, on today's episode, you're going to learn from the best when it comes to creating moments. Billy's going to share practical ways to be the kind of leader who creates those moments for others. Whether you're leading a small group, a daily stand-up, a weekly team meeting, or speaking to an entire organization, you're going to want to take some notes here. Let's get into it. The very first time that I ever met Billy Bowie face-to-face, we were in downtown Birmingham with an organization called America's First Federal Credit Union. I had met Billy briefly and heard about Billy through uh, his relationship with our CEO here at Wild Spark, but I knew a little bit of Billy, Billy's vibe and that he was a guy that loved to have fun and create moments. I did not know the extent at which he liked to have fun and create moments until I heard Billy start freestyle rapping to a room full of credit union leaders. And I've never seen so many wide eyes and jaws on the floor in my life. Finance and freestyle rap, I don't think have ever been mentioned in the same sentence before until that day in that meeting room at America's First Federal Credit Union. Billy, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm so excited to have you on. Man, I am pumped to be here. And the and the secret sauce behind that is I flew in from, I think, California to Birmingham that morning. And it was it was a crazy trip and then had to turn around and head back out again. So I was running on fumes in the in that moment. I, I remember that. But I also remember, like you said, the wide-eyed excitement. And I think folks are just going, what in the world is happening right now? Oh, I kind of I like this. So, man, that was a, a blessing to be at that event. Really excited to be on the podcast. It was one of my favorite highlights at anything that's ever happened in Wild Spark and set the trajectory for our relationship and getting to collaborate on kickoff events and creating moments for companies moving forward. So I really enjoyed that time. And, uh, and getting to meet you and getting to witness your your freestyling skills firsthand. The quick story behind the freestyle part is your CEO at WildSpark was the only one to send me a picture of the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon when I got to freestyle on the show. He was the very first person to text me. He took a picture of his TV and said, it, "Is this is you, right? Like, <laughs> he was just kind of shocked I was on the show. Confirming. And, yeah, exactly. And so it just, just well, I got a really fun story around how that led to a lot of business from that moment too. And so... I think all of our secret sauce, I know we're going to get into this, is really owning your power, owning your strength, what your gift is, and leveraging that for the world. And I feel like I've done that well. Absolutely. Billy, before we dive in, we are going to get into your secret sauce, and I can't wait to do that. This is a podcast that we've created with and for Chick-fil-A operators, adding value as best that we can for those people who are running restaurants across the country every day. And so 
I think you have a really cool story of your relationship with Chick-fil-A. For those of you out there listening that haven't been a part of an Elevate Experiences event or haven't met Billy personally, Billy, I know that you've done probably over a thousand events now at this point with Chick-fil-A specifically. And so unpack a little bit of that relationship for me, what your connection looks like to Chick-fil-A and even some of the cool stuff that you're doing right now. Yeah, I'll never forget the first moment that I met Dan Cathy. It was at LeaderCast in Atlanta in 2010, and we were hosting this big event. And then I hear this trumpet coming out of my left ear. I'm like, who's playing a trumpet at this leadership event? And it was Dan Cathy who had brought his trumpet with him and, and his joy and enthusiasm. We just, it was like hand in glove. It was really fun to host that, co-host that event with him that day. And then he said, hey, I'm doing this event. We're doing this HPLT leadership event. Would you go on the road with us and, and help our operators create experiences for their guests? And so we had these couple day events that led to Staff Summit for the Support Center 2014, 2016, 2018. We all know what happened in 2020. And then helping over 400 operators open their restaurants. So dedication dinners to the first 100 experiences, which I know have changed over time and adjusted. Uh, But we were in that sweet golden era of helping figure out how we connect with guests at a whole new level. So, uh, And now it's really fun, even even this week, uh, partnering with Chick-fil-A operators on their team appreciation, team member appreciation events. So I have a lot of one-on-one conversations with operators on how they're growing their brand, and then also market level of how we can put on a remarkable experience. I have story after story, different Chick-fil-A operators that are just doing a remarkable, remarkable job. Uh, One quick one that I'll share is opening the very first restaurant in the state of New York in Manhattan or downtown New York City there. And being at that restaurant and watching how Oscar, the operator there, just cared for the team members, but also opened up in a very volatile area to have Chick-fil-A as the very first one in New York City. Story after story, just watching how operators care for their team and the ones that have grown and expanded not only in their restaurant to, to now multiple restaurants is an absolute blessing. So being a partner with operators, market level, and the support center has been one of my favorite parts of my career. It's been over a decade to work with Chick-fil-A, and I'm just having a blast doing it. I've been working with Chick-fil-A now for the past five years, and I can say the same thing. Dan Cathy is an entertainer at heart, man. You mentioning that story about your first interaction with Dan and with Chick-fil-A. Well, I had to, I had to tell him to stop. We were at, a, we were at an event. It was, it was like in Cleveland or Chicago somewhere. And we're in the <laughs> we're in the hotel like conference room to this big event, and I'm hosting it, right? And whenever the keynote speaker got up on stage, I could hear this slight trumpet through the air wall in the room next to it. And Dan's over there practicing his trumpet, getting ready for the next event. I had to, Dan, Dan, like, I love you, but we, <laughs> you got to pause this thing right now. <laughs> Let's wrap it. We're going to stop this. No, those of you who are at Next this year, Dan, this was the first Next that Dan has not been the CEO of Chick-fil-A since he has passed the baton to Andrew and Dan's first appearance at Next this year was in the background. He was playing trumpet in the house band. So, I mean, he's still doing it today, which is so cool to see. And I love the name tag that says in training, right? I feel like that that perfectly fits where he is, you know? And so there's so many team members. I mean, Dan's incredible, but but you look at the legacy-minded folks that I've gotten a chance to work with, and I know you as well, and operators doing the exact same thing. So that's very fitting that he was in the house band <laughs> rather than doing that. <laughs> and you had a double take. It was just like, wait, is that Dan's back there playing the trumpet? But I've also seen him like ride a moped through a giant conference room center, like full of people. He rode it in NASCAR, like in the car going hundred whatever miles an hour. I'm like, Dan, are you okay? He jumps out, pulls the helmet off. I'm like, what is going on right now? So Creating let's just moments. make this a Dan Cathy story time. We could. There's probably <laughs> countless stories 
that you could just go on and share about Dan's ability to create moments for people when he's around them. It's one of the best to ever do it. I didn't want to skip over what you said there as you were talking, Billy. I know firsthand the impact that can come from some of the events that you all orchestrate at Elevate Experiences. They're exceptional. They're remarkable. I love getting to hear even some of the recent things that you all are doing with team building stuff for the teams during Team Member Appreciation Week and different market meetings doing those incredibly well. So do you mind sharing a little bit more in detail some of what you've done recently with either team building events that have been happening and going in person and playing games and just having a great time celebrating the people that are on those teams or whether it's conducting some of those market meetings and making those just mind-blowing moments for the teams that are participating? Yeah, the benchmark of what we do is we eliminate the plague of boring events. That's a phrase that serviced on our team and on our website now as we're rebranding sort of how we share our story is say no to boring events. And the operators we work with, I I think of John Diamond in Atlanta who has two restaurants. He might have three now. (laughs) Who knows? But John is an incredible, incredible operator. And he wanted us to come in and bring his two restaurants together and have a really fun experience with them. We did some activities outside, team building, just some fun ways to get the team talking and collaborating and then bring them inside the restaurant and actually do a 45 minute to an hour conversation around how do we communicate and how do we collaborate. So that's just one example of an operator. Another one is uh, Doug Barnett, who's opening his third restaurant down south of Atlanta. And we're actually going to be where the area where Move Force One, the the Chick-fil-A jet is south side of Atlanta in Fayetteville. And we're putting on a dedication dinner for him. So he wants to bring all three restaurants together and do this really big event. And I met with him this week and hearing his heartbeat, he said, I want this uproar of the current restaurants to get excited about the new restaurant. And the team members are pumped about it, but I want you to help create this environment of uproar is what he called it. I said, that's just a really great way to frame up what we do. And then Eric Baker, uh, who's out in California, an incredible operator in the Los Angeles area, had us come out there and help with a team member appreciation event. I think it's 141 different restaurants, but they wanted to be uniquely California. So they had a custom surfboard maker shape this incredible surfboard. Not only did that person step up, but another uh, surfboard shaper stepped up. And they wanted this to be uniquely fun for the California folks who actually gave away two surfboards at this event. And those are just a couple ways that we customize and really help think for operators and what they're doing. And I've got countless stories of of operators that have really taught me what it means to surf. I've got such respect for right now operators that are listening to this. There's a war for talent, right? There's a war for finding them, but then also maintaining that relationship and keeping them. And we really believe, yeah. you said a little earlier, is that those moments are what create momentum. And we're moment creators. That's what we do. We help Chick-fil-A operators create this moment for their team where they go, man, I'm really proud to work here. Like, I'm really excited to be a part of this brand and then really help them think bigger as as a leader as well. So there's just a couple of examples of how we do what we do and help yeah. operators do their thing. Yeah, I got to stop you because you're giving away too much of the secret sauce before I even get the <laughs> chance to ask the question. Billy, I thought for a second you were going to say you surfed at the event, which yeah, I would have been amazing. Like, <laughs> but didn't didn't quite happen this time. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen someday. You uh, you heard it here first. Billy Bowie will surf live in an event one day. <laughs> well, you were starting to even talk about really the secret sauce of Billy Bowie and of Elevate Experiences and what you all focus on. But I want you to unpack that for me. If you had to label that secret sauce, what would it be? And how does that actually play out? Yeah, I just believe in the power of story. And my story began at a Janet Jackson concert in eighth grade. I remember going to see Janet Jackson and being blown away with not only the music, but the way she engaged with the crowd and the lights were on cue and the microphones were on cue. And fast forward through 
my college career playing baseball and professional baseball and falling in love with music, I realized there's sort of three key components when it comes to it. If you're if you were to ask me to label the secret sauce, it would be energy, community, and connection. It's having the appropriate amount of energy. Listen, I didn't aspire when I was a kid to be a um, agency creator like Elevate, but man, I just love people. Like, and I love helping them get excited about the things that they're passionate about. So that energy is so important, right? Energy is not necessarily always outward excitement and extroversion, but sometimes it plays out that way. Sometimes it's sort of taking that mood meter, maybe from a two to a seven, not necessarily a two to a 14, right? Finding that appropriate amount of energy. And then community. Some of the secret sauce is figuring out how do we help at the experiences that we create? How do we help people connect with each other? It's not just about putting on a really cool event. It's interesting. We changed our name from Elevate Live Events. About five years ago, we changed it to Elevate Experiences because I believe that experiences are not something you attend. Experiences are something you undergo. So when you have a really great undergo experience, you build community with each other. And the last one is connection. Are people deeply connected to your message, right? You go to some sort of gathering, some sort of events, some sort of experience. And when you leave there, a classic question we ask Chick-fil-A operators when we meet with them is, hey, when folks leave your event, when they are driving away or they close their laptop, it's a virtual event, what are they thinking about and what are they feeling? That's that connection that they get. Are they connected to the brand? You know, the world's most caring brand is the desire and the goal. But at the end of this event, are we really hitting that nail on the head at the heart level and the head level? They need to know stuff. They need to understand at a deeper level, maybe some of the history or the experience. They need to know things, but man, you got to get them to feel it. And that's why we create the icebreakers, the games, the interaction, what folks don't know how to ask, because most of the time it's done in a really cheesy way is how do I make this fun? Like, how do I make Mm -hmm. this where people go, man, that was so much fun. That's the connection. So energy, community and connection is a bit of, of my story of how I think about it. And frankly, I literally get out of bed every day and I'm fired up about it. Like, I just, I love it. I did it yesterday for another organization. They brought me in for this virtual event and I was so amped leaving it because we did it. There was energy, there was community, and there was connection. People at the company yeah. got better and got fired up. So yeah, I'm, I'm, this I is just great. love it. Uh, it's, when your passion comes out, you can't like, I, I love it. I authentically love it. If I got paid $0, I, wanted, I would do it. That's incredible. You heard it here. You don't even have to pay Billy. No, no, no. Well, well, you got to pay us. You got to pay him. We charge for guests in business, but, but I would do it for free. Well, <laughs> I want to dig into each of these things. There's so much, I think, content underneath each of these three things that you just mentioned in energy, community, and connection that I want to help out our listeners unpack even more. So when you when you talk about energy, I know you mentioned some of that is, yes, right? Coming out at a level 10, being extroverted, but sometimes it's it's cadencing. It's knowing when to dial it back and when to crank it up. I, I'd love for you to share about that mindset when it comes to energy. I know it's probably easy at times for somebody like you, Billy, who like wakes up in the morning fired up because you're so passionate about what you get to do. I'd love to hear even some of the challenges that exist with trying to bring that energy when you think about all the events that you've done in the past. And what are some of the things that you intentionally think about when bringing that energy to any moment that you're creating with people? Energy is such an important word. And I think it's such an underutilized word when we talk about the event space. You know, if you were to go to our website, you would see, I like things in threes. Our team talks about how do we explain the, the really complex thing in an easy way. And so our plan is to listen, design, and produce. If you work with us, if you say, hey, I really like what Billy had to say, I'd, I would like to have Elevate come in and help us with our next experience we're creating. Great. We would begin with our ears. And so I think that energy hinges on how much you're beginning with your ears. 
you know, where is our team now? There's an event we did with Chick-fil-A uh, a few years ago where there was a big change with the department at the support center. Right before our team building time, we had about 90 minutes with this group. They had a huge announcement of some big changes at Chick-fil-A. And they brought them to us and they wanted us to do a couple different, I think it was three activities, three or four activities, where they wanted us to really bring the collective energy up, but they wanted us to know how folks were coming in. So it's energy challenging. With, Usually yeah. when when change is happening, change is hard. So yeah. people can receive it differently. Totally. So, so you got you to have that energy in the right spot. So we didn't want to go too high, but we didn't want to just stay where they were too. It's a bit of listening before we start and then really understand what we want them to finish. Hmm. Yeah, I love the uh, the first listening first approach. It's not really something that you may typically think about when you're thinking about bringing energy. Typically, you're, I think people would think more self focused of you know, what are my energy levels like? How am I going to do this? Versus what are the audience's energy levels looking like? How am I listening to the current state of where things are at so that I can know how to appropriately respond and create and that of, moment? Through yeah, and a lot of it is thinking for someone, right? If you think for my kids, that's going to bring me crazy energy. So if I was working at a Chick-fil-A and I have four children and there was a way for for you to actively be thinking about my children and thinking about how I engage with them, maybe it's a resource, something that you help me do with my children, man, my energy goes to the roof. So it's not always the hype on the microphone or or the dance move, although we enjoy dancing and engaging and you know, now we have on our website where folks can actually have a little do-it-yourself elevate experience or where they can actually purchase some of our interactive games and leverage them with their teams. It's not always us being there to be the one to get everybody fired up, but it's really thinking for your team and being thoughtful one step ahead. I saw this great at the Chick-fil-A Support Center. There's a group that we hosted one of their holiday parties last year. And the uh, young lady leading the event had this backpack that she wore up there. And I was wondering why she was wearing it. She took it off her back and she was able to... Uh, bring things out of her backpack and describe what the teams had accomplished with these physical items. And it meant so much to me. I was like, wow. And she called out stories. So cool. It was a handful of items. She called out the item and then she called out the person, which was just such a fun way. And that was so energetic. It wasn't hype. Energy does not equal hype. It means like, what do I want these people to feel when the event finishes? That thoughtfulness goes so much farther sometimes than screaming into a microphone can go. <laughs> the fact that she premeditated on whatever those objects were and how they can connected to those people, send energy levels through the roof. So that's awesome. I want to shift over to community because I know that so many events that I've personally attended and witnessed, right? I'm here to sit down and listen the whole time and maybe journal in my in my notebook on some of the key takeaways, but there's not a whole community that's built. I may leave the conference in or the the event and never have even spoken a word to the person sitting next to me. And so I know that you all do this in some very strategic ways where you drive that community. So unpack why that's a focus for you all, Billy. And then I'd love to hear some practical examples of what community building looks like at an Elevate experience. Yeah. So if you go to elevate.tips, we actually have a really cool resource that lays out some of these things. It actually has to do with the holidays. So it's a, a holiday event planning kit. So it's like I have a successful holiday event. And the way we think about community is really begins with the run of show of having really, really intentional about the minute by minute plan. And what we do is we help think about, of course, there's keynote speakers, there's games, there's music, there's awards. You start listing out all the big buckets that you want to accomplish. And then we ask in those ligaments between the bones, sort of the structure of things, how is that going to be held together? And then can we create some space for folks to connect with one another? Obviously, that's a thoughtful question that you can ask. Obviously, that's a shared experience, whether that's something that the entire crowd is engaged in. 
It could be something that you have them really thoughtfully do, like journal something or text something to someone or, or connect with something out, someone outside of it. And I know it's hard, guys. I know you're listening to this going, yeah, I've tried that before, but it's a little awkward with the crowd and people don't always talk. I understand. Anytime I do a moment like this, I always have to press through that little fear and trepidation. But 100% of the time, it has been everybody's favorite part is we're not, I mean, there's good keynote speakers and awards and food and all those things, but connecting with the people around them and giving someone a thoughtful moment, which is why I think our icebreakers and why our business has grown, frankly, is we've become experts at crafting the run of show about having people connect with one another. I'll give you one quick story. We have an event next week out in California where we've got a couple hundred college freshmen that are going to be together. Remember back to each of us, your college freshman year, right? You're nervous. Where do I fit in? I just came from my high school where I was a, the big fish in the small pool. Now I'm a small fish in a big pool. And how does yeah. all that work? Plus, it's three different college campuses coming together in one particular place. And one of our incredible team members, Sean Specie, is helping the team think about how do we create some space, some time, some activities for those folks to connect. So it's about a three or four hour event. We have some things that are happening before lunch. And then during lunch, we're creating some space for them to connect. We've got some intentional activities. And then after lunch, we have a 75-minute block where it's going to be about 10 or 15 minutes of content. And the rest of it is going to be networking and specific things that are going to move people through better conversations. A high school event we did recently, you know, we had 800 high school students. Uh, it was a leadership event. It was, it was a lot of fun. And some of those extroverts are going to go full speed. Well, what we did with this group is we had conversational bingo where they had to find people. You know, you've seen these conversation starters. They had to go around and find people and fill in bingo and they won prizes. And it sort of got them out of their shell a little bit. So mm -hmm. activities, although they might seem cheesy when you explain them, if you do it the right way and have the right intention, man, it'll build that community. And it, it is the most important thing because you want folks leaving knowing someone. You want folks leaving not, oh, that was a cool brand or I love working there, but man, I love who I work with. It's more likely they're going to invite their friends who are awesome to come work at Chick-fil-A if you build that community. So it it should be the most important thing on the run of show. Outside of, I mean, content, yes, but getting those people connected with one another, I have found has been the most important part. I couldn't agree more. We grow best in the context of community, not in isolation, in community when we get the chance to learn and grow with and from each other. And if you don't create moments like that, it can never happen. It's just That's isolation. Why it's why I love WildSpark. <laughs> yeah, it's what, it's what we focus on here in WildSpark. Yeah. Shameless plug. Yeah, I, I think that the more that we can create moments like that, the better, because keynote fatigue is real. If you just think that you're going to throw up you know, three or four keynote speakers in an event and it's going to be impactful and insightful, yes, people will pull takeaways from it, but you're going to wear them down pretty quickly if you don't provide some moments for them to connect with each other. The place where they can learn most is from the people who are with them in that room. And so giving opportunities to do that um, in those moments, that the ones that they're going to remember on how they connect with each other is just so, so critical. And so I, I want to get into the connection piece of it, of, of just how you connect and drive connection. And even I know you you just talked about of when people are walking away from this, how do we want them to feel? What do we want them to do? How connected do they feel with the people that were around them, with the brand, with the message that we were delivering? And so what is what is your approach? What are the questions you're asking yourself, Billy, as you step into one of these events and how you're going to drive that connection? If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that magic question I shared a bit earlier is one that I ask every single client is when somebody leaves your event, what are they thinking and feeling? And I think that's the connection to the brand, knowing that they're not going to be able to have uh, multiple things. There's not a, an eight list situation. 
you got to really figure out what you're boiling it down to the one thing. So getting clients to get down to the one thing is the hardest thing because you're spending, you know, money, time, talent, resources to get everything together. Is all they got to know this and they got to know this and they got to be this. Like, no, if they're going to connect to your brand, I'll give you three things. But can we really narrow it down to that one thing you really want them to know? You want them to feel celebrated, to feel honored, to feel equipped. Like, what is that one thing at the bottom of it? So when they connect to the brand, I, I think fonts matter, hmm. design matters, Wi-Fi matters. I think thinking for the folks for what they're eating matters. Again, we get into details. You're thinking about their mind. You're thinking about their body. You're thinking about their heart. There's different ways that we help clients think through that. But in particular, like, go sit in their chair. You know, we have a, a great course that we're proud of called More Than a Microphone. It helps people communicate better in the boardroom and on the stage. And when I say boardroom, it's your place of work. And when I say stage, that means when the microphone's in your hand. And one of the things we teach is that proximity matters. We call it the 25-foot rule. And so being in proximity to people, whenever you're speaking, it's those people within 25 feet of you. Do you know their name? Do you know their kids? Are you connected with them before you even step up and try to lead them? And so uh, that's the connection that matters. It's a simple phrase that I use is who you are off the microphone is more important than who you are on the microphone. And I think Mm -hmm. we want to put on these really grandiose big events and do big things, but we care more about what that person's like when the show hasn't started or when the event's not happening. So that connection we got to be aware of that. We got to understand that that's going to be the moment that's going to carry, that's going to get people, you know, that 4.45 call time to get there and start making the biscuits. That's going to be, and I don't even know if it's that time. I'm assuming it's pretty early, <laughs> but it's uh, that connection at that event is going to help them want to do that that much more. So much of what you just shared there, there's value in all of that. And I couldn't recommend more, more than a microphone, which if you're listening right now, I'm holding this up on my screen because I'm currently going through the course and it's, it's incredible. Even if you're not necessarily doing big grand events, even if you're just leading a team and how you communicate with a team, there's so much application in this course that Billy's team has put together that could create all kinds, all kinds of value for you. So I'd encourage you to go check it out. Yeah. We're super proud of it. We're super, I mean, super proud of it. I'm so excited you're going through it. And, And usually when folks go through it, like you that are seasoned, professionals at communication and leading teams. And we'll still find one thing you're like, oh yeah, I haven't quite thought about that thing that way. But for brand new team members, I'm talking about the the teenagers of the, the early 20s that sort of are maybe in their first leadership role in your restaurant. These things will be revolutionary for them. Like, oh my goodness, I haven't, I haven't heard these kind of concepts boiled down in a way that I can understand. So yeah, we're, we're super proud of more than a microphone. I think what you said in connection is so important. What's the one thing? I want to make sure that everybody hears that. I love to ask the question in one year and 12 months from now, as they think back on this event, what's, what is that one thing? What's the thing they're going to, they're going to say about that experience that they went through and what do you want them to feel going through it? I want, also want to kind of wrap up this portion of our podcast today on the secret sauce with a unifying theme that I see being the foundation of energy community connection. And it's your other others focus mentality in the way that you approach considering other people more important than yourselves, humility, even if you're leading the event, even if you're holding the microphone, still considering everybody else in the audience more important and of more value and how you approach life that way. I'd love to hear, Billy, what are some practical ways that that plays out even at an event? As you're thinking about leading an event and speaking to the leaders here who may be leading small events, maybe like a team meeting in their restaurant, or, or it could be a market meeting that they're in charge of. What are some of the things that you do practically and how you continue to put other people at the top of your priority list. Yeah, we, we know that's not easy. And I'm going to share a controversial statement. I think the people on the airplane that say, put your mask on first, I would never do that. 
I would put the mask on my kids. I put it on my wife. I probably would put it on the people across the aisle before I put it on myself. I know some of you are listening going, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would say that. That's against popular wisdom. You've heard a thousand speakers say, who, do, who puts their mask on first? You got to. You got to take care of yourself as a leader. I get it. I understand that concept. But also the antithesis of that is like if you're already taking care of yourself and you're in a crisis, who are you going to take up first? Probably going to take care of the people around you first, honestly, right? If you're taking care of yourself, that's assuming that I'm taking care of me in the middle of crisis. I guarantee I'm not thinking of myself like I'm mm-hmm. thinking of somewhere else. So I was with my son recently up in New York. And we were talking about the Twin Towers. And he asked me, hey, dad, what would you do if we were standing here? And that happened while we were standing here. I said, what do you think I would do? He said, you would probably run inside the building. I said, yeah, I probably would call your mom first and like tell her that's what I'm doing. I love her. And then I'm going. So I just think like figuring out what others first mean, what that's an extreme version of that. Mm-hmm. So I would just figure out where do, if you're if you're growing as a healthy leader and, and I'm and listen, I'm a pilgrim in the progress, just like you listening to this, right? You're you're learning that. Hey, I'm, I'm reading a book right now called The Gap and the Gain, and I love it. It's by Dan Sullivan and just started this week. And I'm so excited to learn what that means to be living in the gap or the gain. I think we're living in the gain, which is this positive mindset of living in gratitude. I think that gives us such a posture of service. Uh, some practical examples for me is I'll never forget walking with Dan Cathy, actually walking through a competitor of Chick-fil-A's parking lot. And I saw two straw wrappers that were kind of whirling in the wind about 20 yards away. And he and I are just talking, kind of walking to the event. He said, hold on one second. And he ran over there and he went and picked up the straw wrappers and put them in his pocket and kept walking. I was like, what did you do that for? He said, well, I just like, I think I'm a steward of everywhere that I walk. I was like, okay, that's different. I'll be sharing that for a long time. We're a steward (laughs) of everywhere we walk, right? And I think in the event space is that we really think about what should the next song be? What's the intro song for this person coming up on stage? How do we do something special and remarkable for this person? Hey, it's their birthday today. How do we make them feel remarkable? Hey, this person has an anniversary. What is something unique that we could do? We had a team member recently uh, of a company that we work with. It was it was their anniversary and their spouse couldn't be there. So we brought them in on Zoom. Like we did this really specific thing they weren't expecting and they were blown away that their family was there and they totally lost it. So we look for those ways to surprise and delight. And like, I just think that joy wins in all of it. If you have the right attitude and the approach in the event space, I heard a Navy SEAL one time talk about calm is contagious. Everything we do is contagious, right? We're, we're having an impact on everybody. But I think if we can have calmness and joy, those things become contagious. I think that the serving others and having others at the center of what we do, it will bring you such joy. Like in, in the most healthy seasons of Billy, I realize, and when El- frankly, when Elevate's the most successful financially and we're growing and it's when I have the most joy and I have the most mm-hmm. joy when I'm focusing, you know, from a faith perspective, my relationship with Jesus and like, I'm actually reading the word for what it says and actually believing it for myself and not looking at it as something archaic, but I'm like, how is that bringing me joy? Like how, what is, what is the joy that's taking place? And then how do I just serve people's socks off in the process? Not out of like, I'm trying to get something from them, but like, no, I really do want to serve because it's just a natural byproduct. So if you're having trouble with your service level, it could be you're having trouble with your heart level. And it could be that you're having trouble with your leadership level, just like getting back to the roots of like what you're about. So those listening, I want to give you permission to get a fresh sheet of paper and just sort of start over with your leadership. Like if you want to serve others, like you've got to start over with your own leadership. So I would begin with that. Yeah, I just think there's such a beautiful, beautiful thing when we can serve others and then not have any intent, like for anything ever to happen. Like just do it because it's the right thing to do. And dude, 
when that happens, it's crazy. I've watched yeah. operators that do this well, and they've got more team members they know what to do with. They got more business they know what to do with. It's like, yeah, what are you doing? I don't, I'm serving and trusting and just trying to make the best next decision. Great. And I also have sat with operators that are at their deepest depths. So I want to really relate to some of you that are struggling that you're now in the restaurant for every single shift. You're busting it. Hey, I, I have so much heart and compassion for you. I don't want to give you the rah, rah, go for it. I just want to tell you like there is something beautiful in store for you in this next season. And I want you to believe again, fresh for yourself that you have greatness within you. And then when you can pause long enough and actually put it on your calendar to take care of you again, put the mask on first. I'm switching my analogies here. <laughs> put your mask on first for yourself and take care of yourself. Because until you do that, you don't have any strength or ability to do anything for anything else. So I'm yeah. off my soapbox, but I think you, you do. You have to look at your source when it comes to that joy and make sure that you're being filled up because it's impossible to pour into others if your bucket's empty. Yeah. To go on what you just said, that joy, man, it is impossible to fake. And you can sense it when somebody has that inexplainable joy about them that just is contagious. Like you said, people just catch on to it. And then, you know what? People say, hey, you need to go there because there's something different about that place because of the joy that exists. I even heard you share on a previous podcast, Billy, about uh, what you learned from John Maxwell is, uh, is he's somebody that I would say has that inexplainable joy in the way that he interacts with people. If you ever watch him, <laughs> And you're like, how does he do it? How does he I keep got going? Stories. He, I got stories for days about John. But you told a story specifically about emceeing an event yeah. and what John did before the event yep. comparatively to the other speaker that was going on before him. Do you mind sharing that story really quickly? I love this story because it, it just encourages me so much. And I actually got this story to play out yesterday as I hosted a big virtual event. I did literally exactly what John did. And here's what he taught me. He was going to speak at this big event and he's the big keynote speaker and uh, he's got, you know, slides and notes and the whole thing beforehand. And, you know, he's got his handler there, his person's kind of helping him. But there was this other gentleman who was speaking before him and he's back there pouring over his notes. He's kind of the opener for John Maxwell. And he noticed that John Maxwell just sort of, you know, peeled back the pipe and drape and just walks out into the audience. And he's just out there shaking hands. Like he's not really prepping for his talk. He's just out there with the people. And this keynote speaker sort of peered out from behind the pipe and drape into the crowd and saw that John was just cracking up and you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, as they say, and just going around the auditorium. And then when the event started, he just sort of walked back behind the stage. And I was standing there and sort of heard their interaction. And that other speaker said, John, like, how do you do that at an event when you're about to speak? How do you how do you go out there? Like right before you're about to get on stage, I, I'm back here pouring over my notes. He said, there'll be a point in your career when you realize that you speaking has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the audience. And when that happens, you'll release any kind of stress from delivering. You'll you'll deliver from your gut rather than your brain. That's that's just what I do. It's like, oh, that's good stuff. Now, John Maxwell's on point. He's been doing this a long time, right? He's got the reps in. So I respect the person that's behind the stage that's you know reading, pouring over, getting ready. But there was something to that. And another thing right behind it is I was at South by Southwest and Gary Vaynerchuk was there. And uh, I went in to go hear Gary V speak right before Gary was going to get on stage. He's literally at the door shaking everybody's hand. I have a selfie with me and Gary V. As I'm walking in, I'm like, how in the world is he out here? And, you know, he didn't say the same thing, but I have a hunch it would be a similar sentiment, maybe with some different words, but it would be, it would be a similar sentiment. Yeah, exactly. It might be a different flavor, but like you realize yeah. when you communicate, it's not about you. It's about it's about the audience. So I would say yeah. the leaders out there, when you're in your team meetings, really sit in their shoes for a minute. Really ask them that extra question. I know we got P&L statements and we got people we got to hire and we got distribution. And I understand all those things. But man, when that team, that core team, 
if you can get outside of yourself for a little bit and really make it about them, man, they'll go with you anywhere. That's for sure. That's a leader that people want to follow. Not the leader that thinks that they have it all together, thinks that they're all right. It's the one that's authentic, that's genuine, and that's overwhelmingly joyful too. I mean, people want to be around people that make them feel joy, aspire, it's something to aspire to that everybody, for everybody that's listening today. Well, where I want to wrap up, one last thing that I wanted you to talk about, Billy. I saw recently you posted a picture. I don't remember where it was, but you were taking notes at an event that you were working. And I think that says a lot about your growth mindset, your continuous learner mentality, what you talked about that existed in Dan earlier. He always wore the name tag that said in training. He had this mindset that he was always there to learn and grow from the experiences that he was going through. So like, why do you take notes in events where it would be really easy to zone in and lock in and just think about your personal performance and creating those moments for others, which is a very noble cause, but you're also taking the time to reflect and maximize the opportunities that you have. Why, why do you do that? Yeah. So since that moment, that post that I made, I probably have shared my notes there eight or 10 different times. I literally take the actual notebook out. I use pen on paper. Some of you listening like the digital stuff. I think that's fantastic too. I love pen on paper and just writing notes because I circle it, highlight it, go back to it. And actually in holding that same notebook that you mentioned, I think it's important for everyone to know when you're at an event, it's not just about you getting something. It's about you getting something to deliver it. And I think if you're uh, if you're a note taker, like I post, I got bad handwriting, scribbling on a piece of paper. But there's something about that that shows other people like, oh, I should be taking notes too. I watched just about everybody else that was around me weren't taking notes. I heard some mm-hmm and mm, you know, heard those sound effects, but you forgot it already. Now I know right here, I wrote down, hope is not a strategy. That's what I wrote down. I've shared that a bunch already. And it's like, yeah, I'm sharing it. It's becoming more, more of me because I actually wrote it down. So I am an Enneagram 7. I'm a 4294 on Colby. I'm an ENFP on Myers-Briggs. Uh, I'm all over the place. I have 72 different notebooks. I write things down all over the place. Sometimes it's digital, sometimes it's not. But I think that practice of writing things down and actually taking notes is not just for you. It's for the people that you serve. It's how can I take this and deliver it somewhere else? And so that's the biggest selfish reason that I do it because I just want to be a better leader. Like, yeah. And frankly, if I was really honest, I want to make more money. Like, I think note takers make more money. That probably should be a title of a book. I think people that take notes, why? Because you're setting yourself up for more position. There's things to talk about. I took this notebook and went up to the keynote speaker who was speaking and said, listen, you said this, this, and this. This is awesome. What did you mean by this? He's like, mm -hmm. you actually took notes. I was like, yeah, bro. Like, this, this was amazing. I mean, he said, people closer to the problem have the best solutions. He said, stop trying to make decisions as a manager when it's the people on the front line. I was like, tell me more about that. And we've heard that before, but he got to expound on it because I took that note. So honestly, it's probably a little self-serving and selfish if I were really to think about it. I want to make more money and be more successful. Yeah. That's the selfish side. But the real side of it, I want to I want to deliver it to my team, deliver it to people that I care about in a way that they can get it and do something with it too. Yeah. Selfishly unselfish is the way that I would classify that. It's like I selfishly want to take all these notes for my own personal growth. But then also the mindset that I'm taking the notes in is to be able to share that newfound yeah. wisdom with other people. Well, audience, I'm holding myself accountable here. I've, I have been taking notes <laughs> while Billy has been there talking, it is, there even it is. on our podcast. I so, wanted to make you feel guilty. That was my goal. I feel good that you shared that. <laughs> well, Billy, this has been an indescribable amount of fun. I think uh, the level of passion that you have for what you do is unmatched your commitment to making the lives of other people better is just something that's so inspiring for leaders like me to get to witness firsthand. So I just want to say thank you 
for the level at which you perform your craft and how you're constantly improving and continuing to be a better version of yourself. I can't wait to even just to see like in the events to come uh, here that are coming up soon, just the lives that will be impacted as a result. If you want to connect with Billy, connect with Billy. Absolutely. We're going to have a, a link in the episode description where you can do that. There's a lot of things that Billy just mentioned on the podcast today. And I'm going to try to set you all up for success and make it easy for you to access some of these things. He mentioned a free resource around holiday parties, which may seem crazy to talk about. Football season isn't even here yet, but holiday parties will be here before you know it. That time usually flies by. Billy's also got a book called Culture Reconstructed that is an incredible book. I would encourage anybody to go get it and read it. The class that Billy mentioned earlier, I'm currently in more than a microphone. It is a incredible class filled with value, even for people who aren't regularly doing public speaking engagements. Even if you're just leading teams and speaking to people on a somewhat frequent basis, this can help you out a ton. I'd encourage you to go check those things out. Again, I'll have them linked out in the episode description. But Billy, I wanted to give you the floor here as we wrap up. Any parting wisdom for the audience? Thinking back over what everything that you've just communicated, what's the one thing when people listen to this podcast back, what's the one thing that you want them to remember as they were listening uh, to me and you chat today? Greatness is attainable. A lot of us feel like greatness is so far off. We've got this big ladder to climb. It's attainable. And greatness in bite-sized pieces is even more attainable. So just like what are the bite-sized pieces that I'm taking, right? We're all in this journey. Anytime I get to share, you know, I don't know where you are listening to this podcast, but what I do know, if one person gets better, my, my phrase that I use for kind of the Billy personal brand, um, I have a website called Billy B Speaks, where uh, because of these things, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of speaking. And the phrase that I use is, I want to help leaders get 1% better every day. And so it's this idea of just getting 1% better. And that's not a new idea for me, but that's that's been my focus as a leader. Because that's what I want to happen. So I think greatness is attainable uh, would be be the biggest phrase I want want you guys to land on. And I want you individually. I keep saying you guys like it's a big crowd. You're you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're you're downloading your podcast or if you're on a browser, if you're in your office, if you're driving, if you're mowing the lawn and whatever you're doing. But I want that I want that phrase to sit with you is that greatness is attainable. Whoever told you that it's not is a liar. Wherever you are in your career, you can always become more great. So let's just be great together because, man, our kids need it. Our community needs it. Our world needs it. They need leaders that realize that greatness isn't so far away that I'm not trying. People need to know that greatness is attainable. And it's just these bite-sized pieces to get there. Gosh, let's go. I'm ready to go attain some greatness. Thanks again, (laughs) Billy. Yeah, brother. Thanks so much. You are capable of greatness and have the opportunity, whether you realize it or not, to create moments of influence for others. To create those moments for others, we have to bring the energy. That starts with listening to understand. Like John Maxwell said, there will come a point in time when you realize you speaking has nothing to do with you and everything to do with people who are in your audience. Next, we have to find ways to leverage the power of community. Create space for folks to connect with one another. That happens through the questions that you ask, something that you ask them to journal, actions you ask them to complete, while they're in front of you. 100% of the time, it is everyone's favorite part. And lastly, we have to connect. Ask yourself the question, what am I doing when I don't have the mic in my hand? In Billy's words, are you looking for opportunities to serve people's socks off? The link to all the resources me and Billy mentioned today are in the episode description. I'd strongly encourage you to go check those out. 
Thanks for spending your time with us today. Stay saucy, everybody.